0: Welcome to the East Bay's best podcast, The Capstone Conversation. This is a show that interviews political, government, and community leaders in Alameda, Contra Costa, and Solano counties. We look at what is going on in your city, how are we developing things economically, and where are we going from here? I'm your host, Jared Ash. Welcome to today's episode of the Capstone Conversation. We are hopping around the Greater East Bay here, and this episode should air a couple of weeks before the end of 2023. So we're going to venture down to El Cerrito with Gabe Quinta, who is a longtime friend of mine, one of the first local elected officials I met when I moved to the East Bay about eight or nine years ago. And I think I just see Gabe in a lot of places. He's very involved. He's very community-driven. Just a good guy to get to know. So with that, I want to introduce Gabe. And why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your background and what inspired you to get involved in
1: city government? Thanks, Jared. And thank you for the invitation to be here. You and I have known each other at least eight or nine years now. So I am on my 10th year on the El Cerrito City Council. Uh, El Cerrito is a a small town that I grew up in. Uh, The population now is about 26,000. We are in West Contra Costa County. A lot of folks think that El Cerrito is in Alameda County, but it indeed is part of Contra Costa County. I grew up in El Cerrito. I was born in Berkeley, so attended public schools here. Grew up next to uh, the present library that we have. The library on Stockton Avenue is one of the oldest libraries in the Contra Costa County library system. One of my goals is to make sure we get a new library uh, built. So that's part of the reason why I'm doing this third term. I started volunteering when my partner and I uh, moved to El Cerrito. Uh, We were living in Noe Valley and renting, and we wanted to buy a home. And we thought, okay, well, why don't we look in Berkeley and uh, kept on getting outbid in Berkeley and Oakland and uh, looked at my hometown, El Cerrito, and uh, we were able to get in and and purchase a home. And we've been here uh, since 2000. I got a phone call from my former colleague who is no longer with us, council member and former mayor, Janet Abelson. And and she called me out of the blue and asked me if I wanted to volunteer on something, and that's how it started. Where this gig, we don't uh, we have a very small stipend. This is more or less a volunteer gig, and this is why I'm doing this because this is my hometown. I attended college down in Long Beach area, Cal State Long Beach, and lived in Los Angeles for most of my adult life until moving back to the Bay Area in San Francisco, and then returning to El Cerrito. Sometimes, when you talk about volunteering, I
0: realize that if I don't show up for a meeting, then that's going to sign me up for more stuff because i'm I'll be outvoted when I'm not there. And so, when my wife says, "Why do you have to go to that?" I said, because if I don't, then I'll have to sign up for twelve projects. <laughs> Sometimes it's the it's just good people being there and knowing the right people to get you engaged. And I, I heard that about your story. When you talk about El Cerrito, you talk about its unique location. And I was just with somebody in Richmond yesterday and they were talking how some people in Richmond feel they're more connected to Berkeley and Oakland and even to Solano County than they are the rest of Contra Costa. You're sort of sitting at that nexus there. What can you share about its location, its uniqueness and how that defines the city and the region?
1: Well, we're one of the older suburbs. Twenty seventeen is when we had our centennial. Older neighborhood, a lot of mid-century homes. Our lots are smaller. We are a, a city of homes, but our uniqueness, in compared to other cities, is that we have two BART stations: one regional BART station, the Del Norte station, and one more or less a, a neighborhood station, the El Cerrito Plaza station. A lot of Albany, Kensington, Berkeley, Richmond residents use the Plaza station. The Del Norte station is more of a regional station. Folks, there are bus connections to Solano County, Pinole, Hercules, that area, but also Napa County, Marin County as well. So that's one of our busiest stations in Contra Costa counties. And we're freeway close. So that is our uniqueness where a short ride away from San Francisco next to UC Berkeley, El Cerrito is known for having the most Nobel Prize winners who have lived here past and present because uh, a lot of our, uh, we're a a city of teachers. So uh, a lot of uh, professors and folks in Lawrence Livermore uh, in the past and present uh, have lived here in El Cerrito.
0: There you go. That's an interesting fact that I bet you... Very few people knew, but more, what is it, more Nobel Prize winners live in El Cerrito than anywhere else?
1: Uh, Have lived here past and present. The Oppenheimers are are here and reside in Kensington, El Cerrito. So a lot of longtime families here, a lot of the former uh, elected officials, our colleagues in Contra Costa, many of them grew up here in West Contra Costa, El Cerrito.
0: So with that uniqueness... Most city council members represent their city on a number of regional boards. Your boards probably focus on Contra Costa County because that's the county you're in. But your traffic patterns, your public transportation may also be geared towards Alameda County. How do you as a city official help your city and your constituents sort of bridge that uniqueness of a gap?
1: And, and that truly has been something to get used to. Politically, we're, we're more or less aligned here on the I-80 corridor being right next between Berkeley and Richmond. and But we truly are a Contra Costa city. So I see the importance of making sure we are aligned with the values of Contra Costa Counties. know, when we attend regional boards, I'm a member, executive committee member of the Contra Costa Mayor's Conference. I was chair back in 2020. I'm the second vice president of the League of California Cities, former president of the East Bay Division. I've learned the importance of regionalism and working together regionally. Yeah, So we have a lot in common with Central County, South County, East County, and I mentor a lot of the young people that are elected officials in Contra Costa. And and just to make sure they know they have every opportunity to do what I'm doing, to do what uh, my other colleagues in Central and East and South County are doing. We're going through this transitional phase right now where um, a lot of our longtime elected officials are retiring and uh, and and it's time to get uh, this new generation and uh, include them and they are welcomed uh, here in El Cerrito. We are we're one of the few cities building housing for everyone. Uh, so we have a lot of uh, built uh, affordable housing projects. We have a very large project which is the largest project in El Cerrito history and that is to that was my idea, actually, back in 2016 when we lost our library bond uh, measure. And so that was 2016, 2017 time. And we've just lost it by two and a half points. Whereas my colleagues in Pleasant Hill, they were able to squeak theirs in and theirs pass. They have a beautiful library. I'm hoping that we can have a library built at the site of the El Cerrito Plaza BART Station parking lot. BART took my idea, and they're in charge of building seven uh, units in all income levels. More than uh, 47% of that will be affordable housing. So you look at a lot of our housing that were once starter homes in the flatlands. These are million-dollar-plus homes now. So I want to make sure that our young generation who decide to move back to el cerrito after they work on their degrees uh they'll be have every opportunity to move back here uh this is a a great opportunity for uh seniors and for single uh parent uh with with kids uh to move uh we will we'll have uh, low income and middle income housing housing for seniors and people with disabilities and hopefully that will create more diversity El Cerrito was the last predominantly Caucasian cities in West Contra Costa. You look at the demographics of the other cities in West County, and it looks like the state of California, really. But El Cerrito, we when people move here, they stay here for good until they're gone. We're getting a lot of multi-generation of families moving in, um, and that's great to see. Does that mean it's an older City currently? Yeah, yeah I mean, we have an older city, a lot of seniors, families that have been here for from the beginning, and they're still here. We want to make sure that we will be able to provide uh, affordable housing for everybody. And if you look at the legislation that has been done from my assembly member, Buffy Wicks and Senator Scott Wiener, so they're making cities build housing for all. So I'm glad El Cerrito is the first. And uh, we're finally seeing other cities in the area, like Richmond, playing catch-up. It's making sure that we provide housing for the next generation.
0: Massive project, 750 units. You're talking 4,000, 5,000 people then? Yeah, about about that.
1: So 25% of the city's population. It's exciting to see because it's a, you're going to see the future of transit oriented development, and we do see it here in El Cerrito. They built, which is the Holiday Group. They built modular housing, and and they were the ones that built the Mayfair building, which is market rate. And the governor was able to give to El Cerrito the pro housing designated city, which and which the state gave millions of dollars more to El Cerrito to create affordable housing projects. We'll be breaking ground hopefully next year, next to the holiday project, next to the Mayfair building. They call it the Mayfair building because there was a Mayfair market there back in the day. And that, that's, that was closed back uh, when I was in high school. So you look at, it's taken over 40 years to finally put something on that empty lot. And I'm glad we are providing housing. Uh, You're seeing uh, how expensive it is to live here in the Bay Area. This is an opportunity where you don't have to buy a car, don't have to uh, spend money on a lot of car insurance. And uh, you'll just be able to take BART or take uh, AC Transit. And uh, AC Transit, uh, you can take the uh, double-decker bus and arrive in San Francisco uh, at at the the new uh, terminal over there in downtown. A lot of our residents do take that to tape BART as well. Uh, we're a transit-first city and we'll continue to do that. You, so
0: in that development, is the library allocated or you your city has to go back out to bon for in a vote uh, for the library?
1: It will probably have to go to a vote. And I don't know when that is going to be. People were saying, well, maybe we'll do it in the March election, but we shall see. We're getting more information and more polling. And I'm hoping by uh, the next council meeting, we'll be able to let our residents know whether we're going to build this and whether it will be on the ballot next year. But it could be later on. We shall see. It's interesting because
0: there's a lot regionally that may be on the ballot and on voters' minds with MTC looking at it 2020 November Regional housing tax or bond measure, and in 2026 putting transportation on multi-county things, and I know that has a lot of cities concerned about voting tax, voting for taxes fatigue. Because I don't even know if, what's the right phrase
1: there, but yeah, well, there, there's one measure called the Business Roundtable Measure, and and that will stop cities and school boards from being able to pass anything. Yeah, my executive committee and the board of the League of California Cities, that is our top priority to stop the business roundtable initiative that will be in the November ballot in 2024. We're not supporting this. Uh, this is how cities survive by passing uh, a parcel tax measure or a bond measure. We're not supporting it. And the state of California, the governor is also supporting it. We have to do what we can to make sure that we're partnering with all of labor. Labor is not supporting it. Our teachers are not supporting it. Uh, Local elected officials are not supporting it. This is uh, something that uh, big business is trying to do, and this would ruin cities and stop. And it will stop with the day-to-day things that cities do if we're not able to defeat this measure.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's also retroactive as of now, which will be interesting. And and any updates on that? Is that supposed to come on the March ba- ballot or November of 24th? I believe
1: that's going to be in the November ballot as well.
0: Yeah. So we'll give an update to that, to the listeners, as that gets closer and, and more worked out. Let's talk about other challenges that El Cerrito is facing and how is the city addressing that? I know you've talked about Sustainability,
1: financial measures. You want to touch a little bit more on Yeah. I can't. There's El Cerrito has always had financial problems. We are just a city of homes. We're a bedroom community. We don't have a casino like San Pablo. We don't have a refinery like Richmond. We're a city of homes and small businesses. And and that's what it is. It's like we are obligated to pay for our unfunded liabilities. And uh, baby boomers are retiring. And then after that, Gen Xers, we need to pay the bills. And we were back in the Great Recession of 2008. We should have been paying for our unfunded liabilities starting then. But cities have kicked the can and kicked the can. And it's not just El Cerrito, but most of the cities of California. We got state audited and uh, we had to fix that right away. So it was 2018 when I was running again for my second run, my second term. We had a measure of V, which passed, and it passed by more than a two-thirds vote. I was very happy about that. And that changed our yeah, the way the city operates because we changed into a charter city. So you're looking at cities up and down the state and, and cities here in Contra Costa that are looking at the same thing whether to pass a real estate transfer tax. So I know Pinole has been discussing that, the city of Hercules, the city of Vallejo has been discussing it. Our real estate market in El Cerrito has always been good. And and this real estate transfer tax helped us get out of the hole that we were in. And we were able to return our uh, credit rating to a very respectable rating now and We have 16% in reserves, the most that this city has had ever. So um, I'm proud of that. But it has been five years of dealing with one thing and one thing only and is getting back to financial stability. And we were able to do this. I'm so proud of the the present council that we have. We learned our lesson from the state audit. And uh, we're not going to play politics. We're going to do the right thing. For now on, and our seats are nonpartisan. We just need to do the right thing, and we need to pay for unfunded liabilities, and that's what we're going to do. We put one million dollars in an emergency fund. We are in a high fire danger zone, and uh, we're right on the uh, Hayward earthquake fault. I'm glad we're doing that, and that was part of uh, the plan that I always wanted to do, but also where we're able to finally put a 115, a Section 115 trust. And we put $1 million to uh, pay for our unfunded uh, liabilities and CalPERS. Yeah, very happy about that. Let me let me ask some questions. Half
0: our audience is elected officials or people in the know, and half of them aren't. They're, they're people who are business owners, community members. Let's define a couple of things you said in there. First, what is a real estate transfer tax?
1: And, and hopefully answer these short, but we'll try to define well, you know, but- it's a tax when the the seller is in control. The seller um, can decide whether the buyer has to make that decision and, and pay a certain percentage. And looking at that, the city was able to say, hey, we can, instead of paying that tax, if you make some home improvements, because remember our houses for the most part are mid-century, we a lot of homes up on the hills. And the earthquake fault is uh, right in on Arlington. Yeah, we these homes need work, and uh, they can put that money into home improvements like brace and bolt, and or updating their electrical or putting solar things like that. So if it turns out to be a wash, and our the El Cerrito continues to be a desirable place to live, people are still overbidding despite the seven. I guess interest rate. Interest rate went down to, what, 7.11, the lowest in a month. But, yeah, we're we're still having people uh, bid, and they bid high, and they bid over. And there are multiple uh, bids out there. uh, For an inner bay city, uh, Albany, Berkeley, parts of Berkeley, and all of El Cerrito are are still desirable places to live. And I'm so happy about that because we are centrally located and just so close to Berkeley, UC Berkeley close to downtown Oakland. And I always tell folks in San Francisco, because we're getting the folks from San Francisco and Oakland that have had it and living there. So a lot of new, our new residents are young families, single couples, LGBT couples that have had enough of city life and the high crime rates there in, in those cities and are moving to El Cerrito because they want to live, get out of crime-ridden areas and and move to a safe area, and, which is close to transit. We continue to be a, a transit-first city. And you talked, another term you mentioned was a chartered city. What were you
0: before? We By were a general invented.
1: city. So the majority of cities and the 19 cities in Contra Costa County are general cities. But Richmond is the only other charter city. And a charter city gives city the last word when it comes to local control and we can make our own decisions. It came to the voters back in 2018 with Measure V and and it passed overwhelmingly. Cities know of El Cerrito's success and cities up and down the state of California. Many of them are going through the fiscal cliff. And I know many of our cities in Contra Costa, especially West County, are going through the fiscal cliff right now. So they are definitely looking at creative ideas like changing over to becoming a charter city and doing this real estate transfer tax. It's let the voters decide. And yeah, so our residents know we vote in huge numbers and we've carried many of the bond measures that the school district has asked for through the years. Yeah, by I say let the people decide, let the voters decide.
0: Yeah, well, I I also want to give you a shout out for credit for t- and, and the rest of your council to managing the unfunded pension liabilities. There are not a ton of cities that are practicing that level of fiscal responsibility. Some are, uh, but I, I would say out of 400 plus cities in the state, it, it sounds like maybe a third are, are working towards it and
1: maybe a third are just ignoring it. Yeah, but I'm I'm just proud to say as a, as a Contra Costa city, the majority of Contra Costa cities are fiscally responsible. But you see uh, some cities that are going through difficult times, and, and it's usually our smaller bedroom cities. Cities here in West County are having difficult days, I guess. Richmond is not. They have a casino, so they're going strong. And then people wonder why they're able to get the new city hall and... Uh, all, all of these great infrastructure projects, it's because they have a casino. Richmond would be on a rockier road if they did not have that refinery there. Uh, so you look at the Pinoles and the Hercules and, and and other cities, and uh, we're all in the same boat. So that's why people are, the municipalities are looking at how we can uh, deal with this. Well, everybody should just open up more casinos then. <laughs> uh,
0: not advocating for that, just to be clear, we're just talking how it does seem to benefit Richmond and create that tax base. Yeah, Pablo. What <laughs> uh, thing your city is doing to innovate and embrace changing times? Sounds like you're managing your finances. How are you embracing technology or the change? How are you embracing bringing in oh, oh. a couple of new residents?
1: I totally embrace tech, and especially when it comes to public safety. And um, unfortunately, we have the reputation of uh, having a high property crime rate. Usually, we're on the top of that, where we're second now in the highest property crime rate of the 19 cities in Contra Costa County because of where, where we're at. We have two BART stations, a small city of 26,000, and we're next to the freeway. And folks know that the city is like La Morinda, where they order a lot of things online. And the county pool has, when it comes to what the taxes coming in, our city orders online as, as much as the other cities in the county, like La Morinda, Walnut Creek, and Danville. We do order a lot, but then unfortunately, the criminals know it. So what I would like, what I wanted to see, we've always had that problem with crime because there's a lot of poverty and a lot of crime in our surrounding cities surrounding El Cerrito. Our largest city next door, they defunded their police twice. And this has affected the crime rate here in El Cerrito. And yeah, they have a shortage of police. And so what we decided to do is to fund our public safety, both fire police at 100% we did not do what the other cities like Oakland and Richmond did. We did not do that. Then we refused to do that because this city believes in public safety. We've always been the brunt of the crimes that uh, we see regionally. And that's why we're in embracing tech. License plate readers, San Pablo, the city of San Pablo, That tech works because they had a super high crime rate, and Richmond and San Pablo had the reputation of being one of the most dangerous cities in California and the country. The city of San Pablo invested in a lot of license plate readers, and that has changed their city and one of the most crime rated cities to one of the safest cities. A lot of the chop shops, the stolen cars they would obtain here in El Cerrito and Albany and Kensington would end up in San Pablo and Richmond and Oakland, and they would chop the parts up and send it to other parts around the country to sell. That does not exist anymore, and it's because of tax. So I welcome that, and it's expensive to do, but, but we it works. And I believe in surveillance. Surveillance will help deter crime. It's, it, they're not snooping. This will be in different parts of the city. And and the data, if the data shows that a car that was stolen enters the city, that car will be caught. That's We've seen great. a lot of crimes, uh, a lot of stolen cars taken by the police and returned to the owner.
0: Hopefully they wipe them down with anti uh, bacterial wipes first, but that's great that they're catching them, that they're finding them. I think that's important. My neighbors and I have, we live on like, a, I want to say maybe a Cut through street, not entirely, but we've got together. We had a couple of accidents in the last three years. And my neighbor said, like, in 25 years of living here, I've seen three accidents and they've all been in the last, like, 18 months. And I think seven of us got together and we all sort of purchased our ring cameras at the same time. So some of us had the doorbells before, some did not. I think now everybody does. And but
1: we also all have cameras facing the street. And absolutely. And I was in charge of our neighborhood watch group. And that was one of the things I started before I became an elected official. And um, we started this because of a rash of crime. We had small business owners in my neighborhood that were killed. Small business owners that, that are no longer with us. The owner of the Red Onion restaurant, the husband was killed. An Indian restaurant in Richmond, the the family lived around the around the corner on that street and the owner was killed. And I remember that and our residents remember that. So the main responsibility for cities always is public safety. And that was always instilled by me, for me, because I learned from past mayors and council members. During the crack epidemic, we had a lot of crime here in the 80s and 90s. We have to remember the past and and cities need to remember part of their main responsibilities is to provide public safety for all residents, for all visitors in our small businesses. And we have had a brunt of crime. You look at our Safeway, we, we could have had a police officer there 24 hours a day, a lot of crime. And it's the crime is not done by El Cerrito residents, but outside, residents outside of El Cerrito that don't live in our city. And it's because we have two BART stations. And that's a curse we have, whether we like it or not. We have to put an emphasis on public safety always. Uh, and I got hit big time. A lot of my progressive friends wanted me to uh, defund the police. I would not do that. And a lot of people didn't vote for me. But this proves that I am right. I'm getting thank yous from the residents now. know that, no, I did the right decision. I made the right decision. The city of Berkeley, Mayor errigan he saw the same thing and he put money back into his public safety. So Albany, El Cerrito, River, Piedmont, we're all going through the same thing, just like what your neighborhood is going through. Folks that pass through your city because they know that your city orders a lot online. And that's one of the major things that we're seeing.
0: Well, and I just got a package alert as you finished that last sentence that I have a package outside on my ring zone. So I better run and get that. Okay. Before I do that, Gabe, I really appreciate you coming on today. Take us home. We'll put in the show notes, your contact information, you're active on social media so people can reach out to you and follow you and learn more about El Cerrito. But what haven't I asked? What's the one thing you want to leave us with
1: today? Well, I grew up in Contra Costa and and grew up in El Cerrito and know that the cities of Danville, San Ramon, many of my classmates that I grew up with here at El Cerrito and Kensington live out there now. And, And I see a repeat of what happened 40 years ago when cities were not working. Our large cities had that huge flight of residents leaving because of high crimes, and the corporations left as well. I don't want a repeat of that. So our Contra Costa is a great place to live, and we have always provided housing for the Bay Area. El Cerrito continues to be a desirable place to live, and it's centrally located. know that with so many of the residents moving in from Oakland and San Francisco, we're seeing a repeat of what happened 40 years ago. And so this is how people eventually end up when they want to start a family, they know Contra Costa is a desirable place to live and it will continue to be a desirable place to live. Hey, got
0: one other question I thought of, because you mentioned the Contra Costa Mayor's Conference, which I go to regularly to just learn and sit and meet people. There was a rumor in December, we're supposed to wear like ugly sweaters to that. I want to know if that's true or if they're trying to haze like a government affairs economic consultant in the background, or uh, uh, or can I wear an ugly sweater or do I wear a button down? suit?
1: I now. this is Contra Costa. I I wear a crazy sweater. Yeah, it's great that we're all meeting uh, during this co- post COVID period. Yeah, I look forward. Yeah, the mayors conference is one of the few things we get to do together. So let's have fun. I look forward to seeing you and all of the mayors and. Uh, president right now, uh, the head of the mayors' conference is the mayor of San Ramon, and uh, my executive committee. We we put him in there because I know that was one of the few things that uh, uh, he never had the opportunity to do. But uh, uh, he has bas- uh, has bounced back big time, and I'm glad he's back. So I want to celebrate with him and his city and the great work that Mayor Hudson and all of the mayors have done. You look at me, Measure X, and that was created because of the Contra Costa Mayor's Conference. And when I was chair, uh, we realized we need to do something about mental health. And so it was the mayor of Wallet Creek that started that and the Contra Costa Mayor. So that's how Measure X was created. And so I'm just so proud of that and, and uh, proud of Mayor Haskew, Council Member Haskew, of, of the work that she has done to include all the cities. And if you're interested in more on Measure X, Supervisor Ken
0: Carlson talks about that back on episode 11, which aired in November, but you guys can go back and hear about that. And Supervisor Joyo will be on in January or February, and he wanted to provide some further updates on that and the A3 model anytime, anywhere, anyplace mental health program that Gabe just referenced. So thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate this. And look forward to the next conversation. Thank you. I appreciate it. Please hit subscribe so you get the weekly updates of when we release the next episode. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Capstone Government Affairs and Economic Development, a firm where I serve as managing partner. For more information, check us out at www.capstonegov.com and follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Capstone Government. Check out the show notes and for a full transcript, visit our website, www.capstonegov.com and follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Capstone Government or you can find me, your host, Jared Ash.